You're listening to The Alligator Podcast, a podcast where the independent Florida alligator, the largest student newspaper in the country, discusses our latest stories on the University of Florida, Gainesville, and beyond. Subscribe and tune in weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud to hear our latest episodes on news, sports, and much more. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Alligator, as well as find all of our latest stories at alligator.org. Hello and welcome to the Alligator Podcast. I am your host, Graham Marsh. This is the sports section of the podcast. And today I am joined by River Wells, who has done a plethora of things over at the Alligator River. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Graham? I'm not too bad. Uh, River, go ahead and tell everyone um, how long you've been with the Alligator, what you've done with the Alligator, uh, where we can find you on Twitter, and all that fun stuff. Oh, man, I've been at the alligator for quite some time. Uh, I think I'm on summer staff this uh, this year or currently, and um, I think I've been here like eight semesters, um, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I I got to the alligator the first week I uh, got on campus, which was very unfortunate for that to happen. But um, I've been I was engaged a managing editor uh, in the spring, which was uh, a newsy thing for me. And uh, this fall I'm going to be the sports editor, so I'm really excited for that. I'm going to be covering football, um, and I think this is probably going to be a big year, Florida. So uh, I'm really excited about that. You can find me on Twitter at at River H Wells. Not too complicated. <laughs> yeah. So. Um... What River and I want to talk about today is Florida has gotten quite a bit of hype in the last um, in the last week or so. For um, sure, different websites, different prominent names, um, really mul- just multiple predictions that Florida will be in the college football playoff, and that would obviously be because I mean, like, look, like saying if you were to say right now, you know, bold prediction. Florida's going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl again. It's like that's like that's not the so that's like, not a bold prediction at that point. Yeah, right. So like in some ways, like you understand that if you're trying to make a bold prediction at all, you have to go big or go home. You know, right? Like you you have to do something that's going to catch somebody's eye. Um, but anyway, so so for example, like rivals, um, rivals has a tweet right here in front of me that says, "Can Florida make the college football playoff next season?" Um, and then Urban Meyer, a couple of days ago, uh, picked his former team to be in the playoff next season. And I think you said uh, 247 is showing some love as well, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, they came out with the conference breakdown. Uh, this was actually uh, a while ago um, for 2020. And uh, they have Florida as one of the breakout teams, um, you know, slated to uh, win quite a few of their games. Uh, and beat some of the opponents they haven't been able to beat, uh, you know, Georgia and uh, all that. So they, they've been giving them some love uh, for a while now, which is pretty interesting how far back it goes. So, uh, River, before we get into, like, analysis of, you know, different positions and who Florida's not returning, who they are returning, like, I'm sure we'll talk about Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen's relationship and how that's all going to help shape the 2020 season. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into a bunch of those details. But before that, just give me a straight up yes or no prediction. Is Florida going to be in the college football playoff this kind of year? Um, I'm going to say no. <laughs> so 
sorry to all the Gator fans out there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't see them as a definitive college football playoff team at the moment. No. Yeah, I, I think that I would probably say no as well. Um, but like, I, like so, so put it this way. I'm predicting no, but if it did happen, like I wouldn't be like, you know, completely I wouldn't shocked. be blown away if you they would. if they made it. I, I wouldn't be, I would say. Oh, I would okay. say there's, you know, they have, they've got the tools. They've got a lot of returning players. Um, obviously, some other teams are weaker in their division. I wouldn't be like, wow, they made the playoff, you know. I, I it would it would make sense, but as it stands right now, from what I'm seeing, I'm not going to go ahead and predict it. If that makes sense. So let's go over like a couple components um, that are going to determine whether Dan Mullen and company do break through to the playoff. Okay, so so one of the first things, and I think one of the most favorable things Florida has right now is quarterback, right? Because kind of like you mentioned earlier. Um, so far in Dan Mullen's two years, these, his arch nemesis has been Kirby Smart, and he can't beat Georgia so far. And yes. he's only been at Florida for two years. So, it's I mean, it's not like he's lost to him five years in a row or something. It's not like a Jim Harbaugh in Ohio been, State situation. Yeah, Ohio State deal. No, not quite. But, uh, yeah, we've seen Georgia get the best of Mullen, um, you know, since he's been here, which is something to note. Right. So – um, that said, like I would say personally that within that matchup, one advantage that Florida does have this coming year, which I don't know that they've had this advantage yet, is a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because, like, what even is George doing at quarterback? Well, they've got Jamie Newman, um, who transferred there at Wake Forest, um, and he came over to Georgia. Um, Jamie was pretty good at Wake Forest. Um, you know, he moved the ball down the field. Was he lighting up the ACC? No. Um, and I would say that one of the biggest obstacles he's going to come to face in the SEC is that the defenses are probably much better. Um, you know, I feel like Florida's defense um, – and a lot of other defenses in the SEC are probably going to be a little bit of a wake-up call for someone like that. Um, do I think he has the potential to do good things at Georgia? I do. Um, I don't think he's a bad quarterback by any means. Uh, there might be a bit of a shell shock uh, when he sits behind that center uh, against some, this different competition. No, no, I, I agree. Um, what, here's what made no sense to me. So Jake Fromm decides to leave Georgia. Really, your only legit quarterback coming in next year is Carson Beck out of Jacksonville who's going to be a true freshman like probably a smart move like is Jamie Newman the best option you could have possibly had like maybe not but like at the time like it made sense because I don't think anyone expected Jake Fromm to leave yeah now that was something that was debated on a lot of college football fans is Jake Fromm ready to go um as a big fan of the NFL, you know, I thought he had a good chance um, to, you know, find someone that could really develop him and build him. So I wasn't too shocked that he went, but, you know, he, he might have been able to use some extra development there at Georgia uh, for staying for one more year. But it doesn't matter because he left. And, um, you know, Jamie Newman comes in as the transfer, and he's expected to kind of pick up right where Fromm left off. Well, so, so yeah, that that's kind of where – where I want to pick up on this because then they, so they, they get Jamie Newman in the transfer portal. It makes sense. You're like, okay, like, I'm not sure how good Jamie Newman will be, but like it kind of made sense in the natural order of things. But then a couple weeks ago, they get JT Daniels, another transfer from USC. 
Yep, that's right. <laughs> who was hurt at the beginning of last year, so he's going to be eligible right away. So it's like, what are they doing? Like, that's a really good question. You know, um, you you bring in two of these guys, and uh, it's it, there's obviously. I would say that Jamie Newman's probably, in my eyes, at least, uh, the favorite to start there. Um, but you've already got Newman, and then you've already got Beck coming in. Um, so the question is, yeah, why do you bring another guy like that? Um, what is it? What do you, what do you hope to uh, get out of that? Are you trying to create some sort of competition? Um, you know, what's the play there? It's pretty interesting. Um, you know, what, what do you think about that? What, what do you think about that move in general? Well, so, so I have kind of a, a, like, I personally feel like my take on this is sort of unique because every coach ever will tell you, well, you can't have many. How you can't have too many good players at any position. You can't have, you yeah. can't have too many good quarterbacks. Whatever, and it's like shut up. Like that isn't true. <laughs> like for any other position, that's true. Because at any other position like that, you're going to need depth. You get depth, yeah. Right. Quarterbacks a little different. Yeah, it's completely different, especially when you consider how frequently guys transfer. Did Kirby Smart not just learn his lesson with Jake Fromm? With Justin Fields. Justin Fields? Yep. Like, did he not just see this bite him in the butt? Like, like I don't understand how he's doing this again. And Yeah, you know, and the question really is, um, once you pick one of those guys, so you pick Newman or, you know, possibly you pick Daniels or whatever, um, what do you do with the other one? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. you got a true freshman coming in um, at that point. It, there's not really a, a use there. So what's, sort of like what's the play for know, afterward? Sort of like, I don't know exactly what happened last year. Yeah. Or I guess two years yeah. ago now because Fields, it'll have Maybe two. two years yeah. ago. Like, like, I, like, because, because again, we just talked about it. Like every coach will tell you that you can't have too many good quarterbacks, but like, that might be true in and of itself, but it doesn't help just to have a plethora of talent in the quarterback room if you have no plan for each guy. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I think in the NFL, uh, it's it's a lot different because you know you got you got depth and backup and that sort of thing. But these kids, um, if they're not getting play time, then they'll just leave. And they have the complete ability to do that. And they'll definitely find another place to go with transfers. Obviously, you know, Justin Fields leaves Georgia and immediately goes to another high profile program at Ohio State. And takes him to the college football playoff. And takes him to the college football playoff. Exactly. So, you know, these players, they, if they're not satisfied with their playtime or they don't, they just want to, you know, play more or they want to leave the program, they have the complete and free ability to do that. And that changes the game in college football for sure. Especially when you're looking at having, you know, quarterback depth. And the reason why, you know, if you could see me, I'd be using air quotes because a lot of these guys will end up transferring um, if they're not getting the playtime at their college. And, you know, not, not to stick on Georgia for too long because we are talking about the Gators, but like, I think we we expand on all of that to say that while it's inconclusive, like who has the edge in Jacksonville this year, Florida or Georgia, I I think at quarterback it's unquestionably the Gators. I would agree um, on definitely the principle that Kyle Trask has been here before. Um, He's played a lot last season uh, at the helm, and he did play in that big game, and he's played in other big games too, and 
Newman, I assuming that Newman's the starter. Uh, Newman comes in and he's been in the ACC for a while. This is a whole different environment. You know, there's quite a few big games in the SEC. Uh, and Trask has gone through all of those. And I think he gets the advantage. You know, that's a big part of why uh, he's definitely got a, an advantage at quarterback, I would say, in this matchup. So that said, um, but let's make this simple. For every, like, for every group, every sort of not every position but like every position group tell me if you think that that position group is going to be a plus or a minus to contributing to florida's hype of possibly making a playoff quarterback would you say plus or minus um plus or minus sorry in like what way (laughs) like like do you think that kyle trask will be a an enhancement or a detriment to Florida's potential journey to the college football playoff. Like like if Florida were to get to the playoff, do you think that they would get there despite Kyle Trask or in a lot of ways because of Kyle Trask? Okay. I have a weird answer for this one, if you will. Um, I will say about Kyle Trask, I thought obviously he was way more consistent than Felipe Franks. Um, if he doesn't come in in that Kentucky game, uh, they don't. I don't think they win it. Um, oh, and obviously, he's, yeah, and he plays very well against a lot of different teams across the stretch. Um, I don't know if I saw Kyle Trask as a game changer last season. Um, we saw he had certain problems with pocket presence and with fumbling the ball. Um, you know, I feel like his big play potential, uh, I'm not sure how there that is. Uh, that being said, do I think he'll lose you a game? No, I don't. Do I think he can go out of his way to make things happen and win a game for his team? I don't know if I'm convinced of that yet either. Um, that being said, on the basis that he won't, I don't think he'll ever really lose you a football game or he'll do something to cause uh, a loss. I would say that's a plus. And it's a very begrudging plus because um, I think there's still a lot Kyle Trask has to prove for sure. Uh, I'm not fully convinced that he is, uh, you know, definitely a top tier quarterback in the sec, but I think that he plays consistently. Um, he plays well. And I don't think if they, they don't get to the college football playoff, I don't know if it will be explicitly because of his play. So I agree with you that it's a plus and, and I agree with, with basically everything you just said that Kyle Trask is, more of a game manager than a game changer. I know a lot of people hate yes. that word, game manager, but... Like I don't think we should. I don't think we should. I've said this for a while. I think there's nothing wrong with being a game manager. Uh, it works in many cases. Um, yeah, you're not going to be like Patrick Mahomes out there, you know, willing things to happen. But if you're in a great system and you're a game manager and you don't turn the ball over and you still find your way to the end zone, you can get some real successful teams that way, for sure. And I think we saw that last year with Kyle Trask, you know? I think uh, I would call Flores' team last year successful. I think going to a New Year's Six Bowl and winning it is, you know, one of the top achievements you can get in college football. And Trask led Florida to that and put them on the map kind of in a different way. So I'm not dissing Trask by any means. Um, All I'm saying is if it comes down to him having to make a play or himself having a will of Florida team over team, I'm not entirely convinced that he could do that. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree with you. And the the reason I agree with you is, is for two reasons. First, first, 
Um, I think that he's given everything that we just said, that he's mostly a game manager, a very good game manager. Yes. Um, I think that that's going to be a plus in Florida's potential journey to the college football playoff if they were to get there because Florida's schedule is an absolute comedy show. Like, yes, I mean, it, it definitely that. is. Right. So if you need a quarterback to just maintain the status quo. It's and, not going to be too tough with the schedule. Right. Because like, like I always, I always look back um, two years ago to when Florida hosted Missouri in Dan Mullen's first year and Drew Locke and company came in and murdered Florida. And the biggest reason they did is because Felipe Franks laid a complete egg in that game and he was just horrible. And Felipe would show you flashes of NFL talent and then he would show you flashes that he's still in high school. And mm-hmm. Kyle Trapp doesn't oh, yeah. do that. He keeps you at that steady. So I think that the potential to lay an egg like that and lose to someone that you have no business losing to is much less. So you look at, I mean, week one, Eastern Washington, then Kentucky, then South Alabama, then Tennessee, then South Carolina. That's your first five games with Kyle Trask. Like, if I'm a Gator fan, like, I'm not scared of any of those games. That should be that should be easy, you know. That should be uh, cruise control, I think, almost. Um, yeah. You know, then, you've got t- teams that you're definitely better talent wise, and Kyle Trask shouldn't lose you any of those games. I agree. Yeah, and then you know, I'm not going to go through the entire schedule, but you know, after that, if I'm if I'm looking at this entire schedule, there's you know, obviously Florida Georgia is going to be the game of the year and within the schedule, and then the second best team on the schedule is LSU. And we want to remember LSU from last year as this all-time team, but they lost so much talent. A lot. Yeah. I do not see any way that they're going to be even close to what they were last year. So to me – No, they won't. Yeah. Like I'm chalking that up as a win for Florida. And granted, like that is a losable game. I'm not saying that – Oh, definitely. I was just about to say, you know, I think LSU – in Gainesville, after they've lost so many pieces, you know, I'd look at Florida favorably at that point. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't sleep on it, especially with a program like LSU. And I think, you know, they may have lost some piece on the coaching staff like Brady, but I still think that's a very well-run program. And I wouldn't I wouldn't definitively pass off the W, if that makes sense. No, I do I have this winning? I agree. I think they do. But, you know, watch it, if that makes sense. Right. No, yeah, I – because cause I like I, I agree with you about it being in Gainesville. I think that's huge. Um, Definitely. Especially if there's fans in the stands come college football in the fall. Um, but, again, that's another game that's a prime example of why having someone so steady like Kyle Trask is great for that sort of game. Like mm-hmm. a pretty good team, but probably not as quite as you – not probably not quite as good as you. And you just need someone to really do nothing special, but nothing stupid. And you just kind of let your talent everywhere else win that game. I think Kyle Trask is your perfect man to win that LSU game. Now that and Georgia I think game, you can do that in, in, you know, especially in college football in general. I think you get a quarterback like that, and it's definitely not out of the question that you can win every game you need to win. And that's what it comes down to, winning every game you need to win. Um, and with Florida's biggest roadblocks this season, I think it's a possibility that they do. 
you know, so yeah. we'll have to see. No, I, I, again, I've said it like a million times, but, but I, I agree. Um, and then the other thing that is kind of interesting though, is you look at the teams in last year's college football playoff, um, LSU, Clemson, yep. Oklahoma, and uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. Right. So, what the reason that I bring that up is, look at those four quarterbacks. You got the Burrow. Worst one out of that field, group is Jalen Hurts. Lawrence and Hurts, yeah, and Hurts was you know by no means bad. <laughs> no, not at all. So. So that's where I think um, you had a great, yeah, you had a great cast there for sure. Right. So that's where I think that we kind of need to keep it in in perspective when everybody's picking Florida to make the college football playoff. Like it's almost a done deal because they have an easy schedule and they have a lot of returning players. It's like, okay, like let's remember that all four of those quarterbacks have been or will be drafted within the first three rounds. And Trask isn't nearly at that level. No, no. Trask is going to be drafted around Jake Fromm range. Yeah. So it's like uh, that needs to be remembered. Like, yes, Trask is consistent. Yes, he was better than Felipe in most ways. But, like, you got to keep in mind that most teams that make the college football playoff, you're dealing with the elite of the elite. Just and you have some good, really good quarterbacks. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest question with Trask. You know, is he good enough? You're going to, if assuming Florida makes the SEC championship, right? You're probably going to run into a really big, bad Alabama team or something like that. And the question is going to be, are you good enough to propel yourself over that? Are you good enough when you're going to the college football playoff? Now it's not just the SEC. Now you're facing the elite you know, talent from all over college football. Are you good enough to beat them? Is Trask good enough to beat those types of teams with those types of quarterbacks with those types of defenses? I think that's far from absolute. I feel like there's some questions there for sure. No, no, I, 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 so something that, that you just said that that's interesting to me is, you were talking about if Florida were to win all the necessary games and make the SEC championship. That work's not done. Right, exactly. And you're probably going to run into a really, really good Alabama team. Or if you don't run into a good Alabama team, then that means that you're, you're that 99%. What that's going to mean is that you're running into an LSU team that is still really, really good somehow. Or another or, breakout team that's had a fantastic year, um, you know. Or a Texas yeah. A&M. Yep. That's, like got, that. that's recruited just about as much talent as anybody else. And you want to talk about returning quarterbacks, Kellen Mond. Like, Kellen Mond has been the starting quarterback at Texas A&M for longer than Kyle Trask. Now, I don't think Kellen Mond is better than Kyle Trask. I actually think that he's there's a pretty big gap there. But like, I would agree. I'm saying. Like, we want to praise the consistency – the, the consistency and experience and poise that Kyle Trask brings us, well, you can't ignore other guys that have experience as well like that. Big time. So um, that said, let, let's kind of move away from quarterback for a second and look at some other things. Um, I I don't mean to harp too much on on Florida versus Georgia, but it's tough not to because like, Everybody it's, knows that, like, literally the whole season is going to come down to that game. 
Absolutely. You know, it's the seminal game. Um, it's it's the game for Florida. You know, it's Florida versus Georgia is going to, to show everyone, to show college football, you know, where Georgia stands after supposedly losing a lot and where Florida stands after, you know, keeping a lot, gaining a lot. How good is this Florida team actually capable of being? Um, and that's the game that Dan Mullen's got to win. He's got to prove that he's able to beat Curry Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. And right now, as of right now, he hasn't. Um, so that's that's Florida's biggest game for sure. Uh, so obviously, when you're looking at the season in perspective, I think it's you know sensible to say, okay, what does Florida have that Georgia doesn't? Because when it comes down to that game, these two teams butt heads, uh, it's going to be very important for the SEC. So that said, the another element of the Florida Georgia game, particularly this year, but in the Kirby Smart, Dan Mullen era of the two of them being at those schools and coaching against each other. Another thing that makes them so interesting to me is because not only are they the biggest rivals on each other's schedule, but their coaching philosophy is so different. Yeah, definitely. It's so different. Like Kirby Smart is recruit every possible stud that lives and breathes and Dan Mullen is patience and development and get him in the program and scheme your way to a whole lot of W's. And I'm not here to say either one is better or worse, but I, I want to, I think that this is an especially interesting topic this year because I want to bring in the coronavirus aspect of this and missing spring ball and the fact that fall camp is not going to be the same and that yep. a lot of reps and practice are going to be missed. So, I want to ask you in your opinion, do you believe that like, like which style do you believe having to miss time like that caters to more? Because a lot of people I think are saying that missing this time is favoring the Gators because they keep the same quarterback. They return a lot of the same players and a lot of the guys coming that are going to be playing in that game have already spent a lot of time in the program. And Correct. that makes sense. That's, that's a very logical that's a big deal. argument. Yeah. Yes. However, Georgia pound for pound is a hell of a lot more talented than Florida. Absolutely. I mean, they're the number three recruiting class in 2020. They're still top dogs. Right. So if you lose that practice, time, is, it, is it better to just have straight up just more talent? If you won't get to scheme and game plan as efficiently as you may have been able to in the past? Um, you know, I'm actually going to go on Mullen's side this one. And the reason being is that Florida's retained so much. Um, I really think that experience in the scheme is going to help in a situation like this where you don't have to teach a bunch of people uh, to learn, you know, a scheme they're not used to and stuff like that. You know, um, obviously the talent in Georgia is remarkable, um, but you still got to learn, uh, learn stuff when you're there. You still got to learn formations. You still got to learn the playbook. And with a team like Georgia that stacks up on recruiting and gets a lot of talent, and with some of the talent they've been missing or that's you know gone to the NFL draft or not on the team anymore, I like Mullen's chances here uh, because he's got a lot of veteran players and presences that'll help explain uh, to the new recruits, you know, what the system's like, what the plays are like. And I don't know if they have a lot of that over in Georgia. So 
I think this is helpful for Dan Mullen. I don't think any coach wants to play under these circumstances, obviously. But um, in this case, I feel like Mullen and his crew have a lot of options in teaching their new recruits uh, the ropes and for maintaining a sense of cohesiveness with all the people that have stayed. And I think a big thing, not necessarily just for the Georgia game, but for the entire Florida season that cannot be understated is keeping the whole staff. Like that's absolutely huge or keeping most of the staff. They lost their tight ends coach and yeah, in most people's eyes upgraded the tight ends coach, but like <laughs> you keep your offensive line coach, you keep your defensive line coach, you keep your DBs coach, you keep your defensive yep. coordinator. The biggest one's a right. coordinator because Todd Grant has oh, been yeah. thought to be out the door a couple times now. And to hold on to him in a season like this is massive. And regardless of what you think about Grantham, you know, he's been a defining presence uh, while he's been at UF, and that consistency is really going to help that defense, Joe, I think. Uh, and I don't. I think Grantham's far from a bad coordinator, but I agree in that sense that his presence at UF is a really big deal. Uh, Absolutely. For this yeah. So, to, so to, to move on with, with something that I wanted to kind of hit – um, earlier, we'll, we'll we'll do this kind of round robin a little bit quicker. Um, we talked about quarterback because it was just so important, and this is such a big topic. But let's kind of go around really quick and just give me a quick positive or negative uh, for each position, each position group. Um, so again, for for what we said earlier, um, I'm going to ask River, and then I'll give my own answer. Positive or negative, each Florida position group towards their potential path for a college football playoff meaning will this position hinder or help their chances at possibly reaching the final yeah Um, for sure so offensive line positive or negative uh, it's going to be a positive, and I think the big reason is that, you know, there's been a lot of retainage on the offensive line. Um, you know, you got a lot of veteran presence there uh, you as well. You've starter except Nick Buchanan in the center. For sure, yeah. You know, guys like Stone Forsyth, you know. Uh, you return every starter except for Buchanan, like you just said. That's definitely a big positive. Uh, more experience is always a boon in my eyes, and they're going to have more experience as a cohesive unit. That's a plus. I am actually going to – say it's a negative Um, really and yeah which is which is kind of interesting because i feel like in most aspects you're probably more pessimistic than i am but uh the reason that i say it is because i think everyone is maybe it's just like me getting annoyed by arguments that's making me retaliate towards the offensive line unfairly (laughs) but uh like i keep hearing not not from you, but like just from like just kind of generalizations predicting Florida's year. I keep hearing these predictions that the offensive line is just going to magically be better. And it's like, did y'all not forget? Like, did y'all forget that they could not run block to save their lives last year? Oh, yeah. I definitely see what you're saying there. I agree. Um, there's so, definitely room for improvement there. Um, what I would say is that you've got this line and there's a cohesive unit and they had all last year to do what they did magically get better. is tough. I think they're far from an elite line. You know, you look at some of the lines that George has had over the years and stuff like that. And then they, that's just on a completely different level. I think 
to think that they could gel a little better and to take their experience from last year and with this different type of schedule that they've got, it's a little easier in my opinion. Um, I think it wouldn't be crazy to see them improve. Uh, are they going to become a world-class SEC offensive line? No, I don't think so. So the, the there's kind of a, a second level to like what makes me think that, what makes me think that they'll actually end up being a negative. It's because last year, when they could not run block at all, how did Florida get around it? They just threw the ball all the time, right? Correct. Yep. They, they went games on games on games, barely handing the ball off. Mm-hmm. And LaMichael Pirine's amazing Orange Bowl performance makes people forget that, like, he couldn't find anywhere to go basically all Absolutely season. nowhere. Yeah, they you know, you'd see games at the beginning, and they get stuffed on multiple runs, and they just give up. Right, so – so that said, moving over to wide receiver, you lose your top four, except Trayvon Grimes, but you lose four of your top wide receivers. Oh, so yeah. I think that the Florida passing game is still going to be very effective, but I think that it would be silly to pretend it'll be as effective as last year. So that said, I think the offensive line, if it does not dramatically improve, will be more of a hindrance this year because Florida's going to have to run the ball better this year. There's no choice that they have to because you don't have Van Jefferson and Josh Hammond and Freddie Swain to rely on, Tyreek Cleveland to rely on. And you're going to be relying on Damian Pierce to do that, you know. So that's very interesting. Okay, so that said, let's move over to receiver. This kind of new, fresh crop of wide receivers for Florida that has been here but hasn't, a lot of these guys that are going to play a lot more this year haven't been the studs. Is that going to be a positive or negative? You know, um, I'm going to go negative on this one. Reason being that you've got Trayvon Grimes. Uh, definitely great to have him back if you are Dan Owen the Gators. Uh, you've got Jacob Copeland who, you know, had some uh, playing time last year. Got some veterans that haven't really played that are, you know, still on the roster. Um, guys like Rick Wells. That being said, it's definitely not as much of a receiving core as it was last year. And I think with Kyle Trask, um, the better receivers you have, the better you know he's going to flourish. I think it's definitely a test and a question to see how he reacts and how his play reacts with all the losses of these wide receivers. Meaning, if the wide receiving core isn't there and if Trask doesn't play as well as he did, that would be the negative that prevents him from going to the playoff. So let me give you a hypothetical, okay? Go for it. I love hypotheticals. Hypothetical. In that receiver argument, I allowed you to change your thought because I'm giving you Kyle Pitts to count in the receivers. <sighs> Man. <laughs> um I'm a big Kyle Pitts fan. Yes. Yeah, um, so. I think he's going to be a very good talent at the next level. Um, I think he's a good presence to have. That would that would make me strongly reconsider the answer for sure because a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's you know blocking the line, who's a big target for Trask, um, to have him back is definitely incredible. Um, and runs like a freaking deer, man. For sure. Oh yeah. Um, he's a top talent. That's a good one. That's that's a good hypothetical right there. 
So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I would, I would probably have the same answer then. If I, if Kyle Pitts is counting as one of the wide receivers slash just, if we're just calling this the pass catching group, yeah. then, then I think it's a positive. So, so overall, so, overall a positive speaking of pass catching, if you don't mind, what? let's talk about Kadarius Tony. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, where does so, Kadarius Tony fit into any of this? You know, he's been the gadget guy. Um, he's done a lot for Florida. I feel like sometimes people are expecting him to fit into one particular niche. And I don't know. Do you feel like he has? I, so there's kind of two thought processes on Kadarius Tony, because obviously you've heard, you know, really since his freshman year, like, why doesn't he get more touches? Why doesn't he get more touches? Well, to me, there's two reasons. The first reason that people do talk about all the time is that he's not a true wide receiver. So to get him the ball, they have to scheme things up for him very specifically. And it's Sweet. hard to make him just an every, yeah. and it's very hard to make him just an every down wide receiver. Um, so that said, it's gonna be hard to put him on the field more because if he is on the field, it's super obvious that he's gonna get the ball and he's gonna get the ball in a very simple way. He's gonna get the ball on a jet sweep or a screen or a crossing route. He does he's not Van Jefferson. He can't run he can't masterfully work these comeback routes or these post routes or these slant routes. He's not as good at that. So I agree. People have said, you know, okay, this is the year that he really fine tunes his route running skills. And it's like, okay, like I'm ready for that, but I've been told that for three years now. So like, I'll believe it. I'm with him in that sense. I'm sort of in a believe it when I see it kind of phase. <laughs> However, I don't think it can be, undervalued how explosive and how special he really is at making people miss like him in the Florida state game was just like, if I was a Florida state fan, like I would never show my face with my (laughs) colors again, because it was just unbelievable. And so from that perspective, like, like I think it can't be understated how special he is and, and what he can do for that offense, especially when that offense is sort of in a rut when they're not moving the ball super well, I, I think it's there's there's so much to be said for a guy that you can just give a reverse sweep real quick or something like that and just watch him work and then all of a sudden yeah. your offensive line is hype, your running back is hype, your quarterback's hype, and then you just you really start moving again. And he's done that before, and I think that that is I think that's his role more than anything, more than being a true wide receiver. I think Jacob Copeland really steps up and becomes the real wide receiver across Trayvon Grimes next year. And yeah. Tony becomes sort of a slot guy, but still a gadget guy. Um, he becomes a little more of a slot guy just out of necessity because you don't have Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond anymore, but it, it is what it is. But the other reason really quickly that I believe personally that he doesn't get as many touches is he's still in his third year refuses go down before he takes unnecessary hits. And it got him hurt last year. It made yeah. him miss multiple games. And I agree. Like, you need to understand at this point in your career that you can't be doing that. If you want a real NFL career, you shouldn't. You can't ever do that. So, and the coaches are going to notice that, and they're going to play you less because of that. So, I think that's something to consider for sure. Um, we'll see where Tony fits in uh, this season. You know, especially the depleted wide receiver core. Um, but you know, what do you think he contributes overall 
to this Florida offensive unit? Do you think he's going to be a game changer that he's there, or do you think it's more of the same with Tony? I think it'll be sort of like this past year, but maybe a little bit more because there's less weapons. Like Kind of like we just said, like we reminisced on the Florida State game. Um, I think it'll be like that. Like by the end of the year, we'll talk about a select few games where he really, really made a difference. But yeah. like having a consistent five, six catches a game where he like catches key first downs and stuff, I don't see it. Um, yeah, I got gotcha. you. But, but that said, I do think that he has more of an impact, assuming he stays healthy, just just out of necessity, especially with Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond being gone. Wide receiver group in and of itself, a minus. If minus. you call it pass catchers and include Kyle Pitts, plus. Plus, yep. Um, okay, let's move over to running back. Ooh, so we've got Damian Pierce behind that line now. Um, Damian Pierce, you know, boasting 5.6 yards per carry last year. Um, I think I'm going to call us a plus. And the reason why is because I feel like Pierce is a different type of back than the Michael Piron. Uh, I think we saw he could be very explosive. Um, I think if anyone's going to make the most out of the line that Florida has, I feel like Pierce yes. could do it. Um, I feel like we saw what he could do as flash the potential. I feel like, you know, there's definitely not a downgrade at running back with Pierce here. And, and I, I really feel like there's a potential for there to be an upgrade there uh, in the way that he plays and his explosiveness. Um, he's a really good style back. And I think that's going to be a plus. Especially if you get anything out of Lorenzo Lingard, the transfer from Miami. Um, that's true. And if if Malik Davis does a semblance of anything, I I, I completely agree. I think that position be can be a plus, mainly again yeah. because of Damian Pierce. Um, okay, so we'll Lingard being able to play is a big one too. You know? What's up? Lingard being able to play was a big one too. Oh, it's huge. Uh, and that is a very recent development, obviously. Um, but that really rounds out a trio running backs, and I think could do some damage yeah i um i agree so let's move over to the defensive side of the ball uh defensive line plus or minus i think the big thing to look at here is obviously the departure of zuniga and greenard um that edge rushing pair uh really brought a lot to that florida defense and especially in tom grantham's defense where you're blitzing a lot and you got those guys coming off the edge the question will be how well these replacements going to fit in. And you've got Brenton Cox and you've got guys like that. Um, if that's as productive, you know, uh, that's going to be good. I will say a lot of returning people on the line itself. Um, so I'm going to go plus because I feel like that line, that front seven, still very, very daunting for other SEC teams. And I feel like you're still going to get some production out of the defensive ends uh, with the Grantham system and with the players that they have there. I'm going to say it's a plus. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's a plus as well because, um, you know, you lose your top two guys, yes. But of any of the positions, it's been a big criticism of Florida in the Mullen era, um, not recruiting a lot of blue chips, but you cannot say that about David Turner. Um, he's he's recruited some big time guys, and I can't wait to see Chris Bogle play more, and I can't wait to see Brenton Cox get on the field, 
And I can't wait to see Muhammad Diabate take a bigger role. So, like, I'm honestly, I might be the most excited about that group of any group on this team. Um, just because, like, it is a wild card because you have a lot of youth there. But I think it's a very, it's a very, very, very strong young core. Oh, yeah. I agree. You know, you got veteran presence there. They've also got some new people coming in that, um, you know, could do some damage and grant system so i'm saying it's a plus that's a plus for me moving moving back a little bit what about linebacker you know i'm thinking this is another plus and i think you've got some you know people coming in at the linebacker core you got a lot of young uh, people there um linebackers i feel floor has always had a really good pipeline of linebackers um i don't think that really changes this year uh so i'm gonna go with the plus on that one yeah, I agree. I think that you you lose some leadership with David Reese. Yeah, um, you get however, the new David Reese. So. Yeah, you got you got a new David Reese, so you didn't lose anything really. Um, but, uh, but but what I like about this linebacking core a lot is I think they complement each other super well. Like you have James Houston and Ventrell Miller, who will kind of uh, replace that middle um, that David Reese left, and I think. They've they've played so many snaps already that uh, it's really not too big of a turnaround there. Um, and then you have a lot of speed with David Reese and especially Amari Bernie. Um, I am a big Amari Bernie fan uh, because I think he allows you to do so many things defensively, especially with the Todd Grantham defense that loves to blitz so much. They I do love that, to blitz. Yeah, and having – having a guy like Amari Bernie that's a borderline star slash safety be able to be in there and sit back in coverage while you blitz the other linebackers and not worry about him getting burned is so important in such an aggressive defense, especially in the SEC when you're talking about there's a couple good quarterbacks every year, give or take, but most quarterbacks are not amazing in the SEC. It's not the best quarterback conference usually outside of a couple of top guys. So in most game, in most SEC games, and if you just look at Florida the last couple of years defensively, you'll see this. If you just send the house at most SEC quarterbacks and you can somewhat hold up in the back end and not leave guys literally wide open, like you're going to win that battle almost every single time. Definitely. Because you, you don't have the Trevor Lawrence's and the Justin Fields that can get out of that and thread the needle somewhere. Just don't, you're not going to have those type of people. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to play one of those guys a year max. So, and I think that's, that's an instance in the Florida Georgia game where if Jamie Newman or JT Daniels are starting at that point, you can really mess them up with that. Oh yeah. So I, I love that. Um, Yeah. DB. DV, I think this is a plus. Um, I think I'm going to hinge on, obviously, Marco Wilson coming back. Um, that's a big deal. Regardless of how you think about Wilson, I still think he's got a lot of potential as a corner, and he's definitely a good, solid corner. And that veteran presence with everybody else, you know, you've got Trey Dean and Kyrie Elam. Uh, those are both really good players. Um, Trey Dean, you know, he was moved around a little bit. Um you know, move back outside once they try to get him inside. But I think, you know, Kyrie Elam, Trey Dean, you got 
Marco Wilson watching over that group as the veteran presence. Uh, and, you know, you got guys like Jaden Hill, too. I think it's a plus. So I think corner is a massive plus, And I think safety is the biggest minus on the entire team. Safety's rough. Safety's real rough. I'm telling you, River, like I literally could have written a book complaining about Florida safeties last year. Like they couldn't make tackles. They weren't in position. The only one that ever gave Florida fans anything to be optimistic about was Sean Davis, and that was really just because he made some cool plays every now and again. And Brad Stewart kind of does the same thing, but they're not like – consistent in position players that make the necessary plays and then like that group just doesn't impress me at all but that said kind of like what you just talked about that the corner room really impresses me i love that and i similar situation as last year really you know you got a really impressive impressive corner uh core and then the safeties Sean Davis, Brad Stewart, Donovan Steiner, you know, not a lot changes and you needed some change for the better. So you you really needed to recruit Avante Williams. Um that was a big miss for Florida. That was that was that to me hurt more than any recruit that I can remember in the last year or so. Because Florida was so sure they were getting him and he was the type of guy that could have played, you know, he, like he could have been a starter by midway through the season. So that really hurt. And you got to pretty much stick with the same group. Which of guys is unfortunate, that, you know, because obviously you didn't see what you wanted to see from that group. That's no, a big not even close. Um, But to focus on something more positive, the corners. So something that I hope they do. Um, and Marco Wilson, I don't think would want this, but I I think that it would help him in the long run. I think that immediately starting next year, they need to have Kyir Elam and Trayvon play outside, and they need Marco to play star slash slot. That would definitely help alleviate some of that, you know. Um, because we saw last year that Marco is a he has very very good cover skills. But he just he is not big. Like he's just not he's not very big and he's not super physical. So against bigger wide receivers, he struggles. And, and Florida's had that problem in the past, you know. Yeah, absolutely. At C. Vernon Hargraves. So <laughs> who River could uh, write a book about. I could definitely write a book about Vernon Hargraves. <laughs> so uh, but with Marco, it's like if if Marco wants a future in the NFL, it's gonna be at nickel. Marco, so why not move him there now? Exactly. You know? He needs more nickel tape, in my opinion, and, and I think he would really, really excel there. I think that he could make a whole bunch of plays next year, sort of like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did his last season at Florida. Because I yeah. think he could really, really let his ball skills take over. And he's not super big, but he is a good tackler. What he isn't yeah. good at is like fade routes and balls up in the air and winning – Battles at the line of scrimmage with big, beefy receivers. Do that at nickel, and that could help accentuate his other, you know, talents at that point. So I agree. I, I like what you're saying there. Because that also uh, helps out Tradeen. Because Tradeen really struggled at star. Because Tradeen, definitely. Yeah, because Tradeen's a more physical player, but his cover skills are not as good as Marco. So I, I think those guys need to switch at the beginning of the year. They need to train at those positions, and they need to stick there all all year. And then in heavier packages, you bring in a Marbury. 
Yeah, I agree. I really do. I think a lot of that could help. Um, obviously, with a good secondary like that and a questionable safety group, you want to do all you can to alleviate that. Uh, I think that's one method that could definitely do it. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, I think we we got pretty nitty gritty there, especially towards the end. Um, do you have any, uh, any kind of final thoughts you'd like to say about the season, uh, predictions, um, any sort of thing like that? Yeah. Um, my biggest thing I think I want to harp on is that you've got this Georgia game, right? And I hate to go back to the Georgia game, but you've got this Georgia game. I think a lot of Florida fans are, you know, expecting really good things to happen with Newman and Daniels in there instead of from, um, I have never been of the mindset that Kirby Smart is a bad coach in the slightest. I've, I think he's a good, very good coach. I think Georgia's got the number three recruiting class in the nation. Um, they're bringing back people like George Pickens and the receiving core. I think that their demise has been greatly exaggerated. So people expecting to run over the Georgia Bulldogs or, oh, you know, this is it. I would say this is the window for Florida to finally overtake Georgia. I would not guarantee it as a sure shot. I would be very wary of that game. And I think Dan Mullen still needs to prove that he can beat Curry Spartan Georgia. And I don't think that changes this year. That's the game. So that said, where do you predict Florida is at the end of the year? Another New Year's Six win? I do. Another New Year's Six win. I think, uh, you know, regardless, I, I would see a loss in the SEC championship if they do make it. I would see a loss to Georgia if they don't. And then I think they'll go get another New Year's Six win, which, you know, I'm not going to knock that. I think New Year's Six wins are definitely something I look forward to. And I think if Dan Mullen gets three New Year's Six wins uh, in a row at that point, um, stuff to do. You know, that's definitely a great sign for Gator fans in the future. And that's, I guess, that's a sign that Florida's now back in the national spotlight, which for years before this, they definitely weren't. Absolutely. So, uh, that said, uh, River, we appreciate you coming on. Um, why don't Absolutely. you, why don't you one more time, uh, plug yourself and tell us once more, uh, what you're doing right now at the alligator, what you're doing in the fall and where you can be found on Twitter and all that stuff. For sure. I'm at the alligator right now. I'm writing for summer staff. Uh, we got a lot of really cool series going on and our, uh, sports editor and summer staff friend Farrell's doing a great job with the paper. Um, I'm going to be sports editor in the fall covering football. Really excited to get that started. And you can find me on Twitter at, at river H Wells. Very simple. Uh, go check it out. And uh, there will be more football talk and tweets to follow as we get closer to the season. All righty. Sounds good. Uh, with that said, this has been the Alligator Podcast. Once again, this is the sports section of the podcast. I am your host, Graham Marsh, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Alligator Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at The Alligator, as well as find all of our latest stories at alligator.org. <laughs>